0: Hello there, and greetings to you. Welcome to Duel of the Takes, the movie and pop culture podcast that pins the wildest, most unpopular opinions head-to-head. Today, we are joined by friend of the show, Sydney Park, who will be helping us make a tier list of the best TV and movie lawyers of all time. My name's Nathaniel Martin, and I am joined by my regular co-hosts, Joshua Kubis, Alden Mason, and Jory Boston.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome
0: to Duel of the Takes. Today, to follow up the success of our fictional TV and movie presidents, we decided to look at another widely regarded profession, uh, lawyers. And instead of doing this alone, we are joined by a good friend of mine, Sydney Park.
2: I'm doing great, Nate. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks.
0: We actually came up with this idea and this topic like a while ago. I feel like it was like October, maybe. And I think, honestly, it was just because you wanted an excuse to talk about Elle Woods.
2: It really, it really wasn't. It was really just my way of airing out my grievances as a law student and a future lawyer.
0: Exactly. And I I couldn't think of a better guest for an episode about uh, TV and movie lawyers. So thank you for joining us. Uh, We're doing this in the same format. So we've got a tier list here. And we all have written up some summaries of some noteworthy lawyers. Uh, six tiers today. We've got disbarred or should be as our bottom tier. Lay off the weed. A duel of the take staple. Objectionable, which, you know, lawyers that may or may not be good. Hireable, The ones you'd hire. Win any case. These ones are the cream of the crop and then goaded. These are the... Ultimate lawyers, the greatest of all time. There it is. Sid, do you want to start first with your your first summary?
2: Miss Liv Lerner, the greatest attorney at Ropes and Gray ever.
0: This is from Bride Wars, right?
2: This is from the the fabulous movie Bride Wars. Where honestly, I was watching that movie, and it was only a little while ago, and I was like, "Wow, these characters are so flat and such a mockery of like women and in, in the bridal industry that this can't possibly have been written by women, and it was." It was written by women and I was like a little disappointed in that. But anyway, so Liv Lerner actually works at like one of the top firms in the world where like if you told a law student you got an offer from Robes and Gray, they'd probably like pee themselves. And she's a top associate there. So that means that she's like super good and everything, but it doesn't mean she's a partner yet. So she's still in that lower tier of the hierarchy at a law firm. The thing is though, that you would think that she'd be like more on top of her game. But as this movie goes, she ends up losing almost everything. She dyes her hair blue and has to tie up her hair with a blazer, thus revealing her bra during a very important client meeting. And it's a disaster, and she gets kicked off the case, all because she and her friend are in the midst of a bride war. She is a top associate at a real-life law firm that does exist and is very present in the legal world. But did she also dye her hair blue at a very important client meeting and thus almost destroy her reputation as a lawyer at the firm? Definitely. So I would say she's probably more towards the bottom. Where she's like hireable, probably close to objectionable, but not, you know, she's she's not, shouldn't be disbarred for anything, you know, bri- bridal and wedding stuff makes everybody crazy.
0: I kind of feel bad for her. It sounds like she had her ducks in a row until this whole, this whole bridal war. And then it's like her life is falling down around her. It's like, it's a shame, you know?
2: Yeah, but she does get to wear a Vera Wang wedding gown, which is like, so what? You lit your career on fire, but you did get to wear a very nice gown, which is what every little girl's dream should be.
3: Sounds to me like she needs to get her priorities in order.
2: I think her priorities are in order, my dear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being very sarcastic. Never, ever sell your career for a dream, ladies if any ladies listen to this podcast.
3: It sounds like she needs to lay off the weed to me.
0: Um, Despite Josh coughing directly into his microphone, believe it or not, we do have have a pretty large female
1: audience.
2: Well, hello, ladies. You know what I'm talking about for Vera Wang. She's all the rage, and she's like 80 years old and looks better than what I do at 25.
1: Listen, we've had girl power since Disney Channel original movies bracket for Xenon. We've had girl power since like a couple weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> i think Liv learner is in objectionable personally i think that she's a good lawyer but she might not be like um the most reliable or stable like i wouldn't really go out of my way to hire her personally but if she was assigned to me because she's an associate then i wouldn't complain
1: yeah unfortunately she let her personal life affect her work
2: how dare she?
0: I think that's a trend though we're going to see with a lot of these lawyers specifically the TV ones.
1: And I haven't seen this movie but Chris Pratt looks like a looks like an incel in this movie. That was Chris Pratt before he started going to the LGBT hating church. Isn't that every like
3: pre-Guardians Chris Pratt movie though? Oh my god, my boy. I feel like I went to high
0: school with this guy. <laughs> Sydney, do you think he belongs in Objectionable or she?
2: Chris Pratt uh who?
0: <laughs> well chris pratt in this movie definitely belongs in objectionable at the least
2: i think livler belongs squarely in objectionable you know because who knows maybe she had a really great career beforehand but i don't know how great her career is going after this
0: yeah yeah i don't think she's getting that promotion
4: um alden hello you want to tell us about the good wife yeah i guess so
0: all right thanks
4: uh alicia Florrick originally alicia cavanaugh graduated from law school at the top of her class at georgetown university while working as a junior associate at a firm she had the highest billable hours and also met a married met and married peter Florrick. when they met peter was the cook county state's attorney because they were both attorneys, but Alicia did not seem to have Peter's political ambitions. After her two children were born, she left work to be a stay-at-home mom and a good wife to a politician. The first season literally has her trying to bail out her husband for a leaked sex tape of him him with a prostitute. She is a very loyal wife to endure all of that with two kids. I don't think this, uh... It's a weird take, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It sounds pretty
3: solid to me. And I'm assuming because this was a television series that there were many more scandals that she tackled during her long and frustrating career. I don't know. I feel like I'm leaning towards the top half of this bracket, even though I haven't seen the show. Is that
0: Jeffrey Dean Morgan? It is. Is that Thomas Wayne? It is. But I think she kind of stands out as like the best one, even if she is, uh, you know, not actively pursuing her career. The fact she's able to like bail everyone out multiple times. She Yeah. She seems clutch. She definitely seems like a, like a player you'd want on your all-star team.
2: I feel like there's a difference between really talented lawyers who, like, they did great in law school, they were really good junior associates, and there are people who just, like, have that natural ability, and then there are people who, like, get the ability by being in practice and going through years of experience, and Alicia Florek seems like the type who was just so naturally gifted that she could just kind of pick up wherever she left off and really just kick it out. So for that, I I give her point.
1: Would she be on O.J. Simpson's all-star team?
2: She'd probably be, like, third chair, but definitely. She'd be the one who hands the main lawyer the glove, you know?
1: <laughs> Should that be a tear?
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> the dream team. <laughs> is that between goaded and win any case? <laughs> <laughs> it would be way too mean to have like a Marsha Clark
0: tear, though. We've got seven tiers now, guys. This is getting crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hopefully, everybody gets a spot in every tier.
1: Since she's the creator of the tier, putting her in the Dream Team 2.0 only makes sense. I'd want her on, on my legal team. I, I don't know if she'd win every case, but I think she'd win most. I was kind of leaning towards hireable, but you know what? I think the Dream Team 2.0. Hey, if her specialty is like guilty clients, sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you saying OJ was guilty, Jory? Yes. Uh, you want to tell us about Lionel Hutz? Of
3: course I would like to talk about Lionel Hutz. Lionel Hutz, also known as Miguel Sanchez, and also known as Dr. Nguyen Van Fogg, is a lawyer in Springfield, albeit an incompetent one. He was always desperate for cases, few of which he won. Hutz was financially insolvent, extremely poor, and willing to do nearly anything for money. He was an inept ambulance chaser and, to quote Lisa, a shyster, whom the Simpsons nonetheless repeatedly hired as their lawyer, probably because they could not afford one anyway. Uh, Lionel Hutz is very funny. I like Lionel Hutz a lot. To me, uh, Lionel Hutz is the incompetent version of, like, a, as we'll talk about later on, like, a Saul Goodman. Whereas, like, Saul Goodman is, like you know, still funny, but still actually like pulls through on most of his cases. Lionel Hutz is just like, bro, bro,
1: what are we doing? I feel like he's the definition of like disbarred or should be. I accidentally searched Lionel guts from Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild when you said that. Lionel Hutz is a
0: very memorable character. I mean, voiced by Phil Hartman. So he's going to have a couple standouts in those first couple seasons. The The episodes that feature him are some of the funniest. But I think, again, it's, it's laughing at that stereotypical ambulance chasing lawyer is where like a lot of the humor lies i don't think he wins a case on the show no probably not the the verdict is given but he has nothing to do with it he's a horrible lawyer yeah i think disbarter should be is a a good spot what says you sydney
2: I think that's exactly where he belongs.
0: This dude lies about where he goes
3: to school, by the way. I didn't mention it. He claimed to have graduated from Princeton School of Law, although Princeton hasn't had a law school since the mid-19th century. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's smart. People would assume that Princeton probably has a law program. I know I would have.
2: To be honest, I'm in law school, and that was news to me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> At least he didn't go to uh, the School of American Samoa online.
0: All right. I've got Martin Vale from Primal Fear, played by Richard Gere, a hotshot Chicago lawyer who jumps at the chance to defend high profile cases, catches wind that a 19 year old altar boy from Kentucky, Aaron is accused of brutally murdering the community's beloved Archbishop Rushman. Martin does a large amount of investigating to try and lessen Aaron's charge. However, it is revealed after psychological analysis that Aaron has a severe case of multiple personality disorder and that his alter ego, Roy, was more than capable of murdering the Archbishop. With a very strong defense, Martin is able to get Aaron off his death sentence and also his life sentence when he goes to celebrate with Aaron Roy is there to laugh at him and tell him that Aaron never existed Martin gets duped whoa now I personally really love the movie Primal Fear. And I think that uh, Richard Gere's character Martin Vale is a very, very uh, good lawyer, but I think he's probably a horrible person. And I guess like at the crux, what the movie's about is his redemption of trying to help this, this clearly mentally challenged individual. But then that gut punch twist that the guy was never really, um, you know, mentally disturbed and was just tricking him the whole time goes to show that his client might have made a better lawyer than he did i think he's uh i think he's a layoff the weed
3: um i don't know i feel like him being a horrible person and trying to redeem himself is kind of like i'm sorry sydney but what people think of when they think of lawyers
2: <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs>
3: <laughs> like come on nate in the b movie he was,
0: the lawyer was a mosquito wait why isn't he on here he, he's obviously doing the offense and then the prosecutor is like his ex-girlfriend who used to work at his uh, whatever practice. It gets a little like weird because they're sharing like evidence. And there's like a lot of like malpractice going on here. Like honestly, this guy could be disbarred. He's kind of like charismatic enough and good enough at his job to get away with it. But he's really not a good lawyer. I mean, he's good in the he's good in the courtroom. But in terms of doing his job, he, he gets the job done, I should say I personally would never hire someone this controversial. And he definitely seems to be the kind of person that just wants, um, like the prestige of of winning these high profile cases.
3: I'm hearing dream team 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe I think maybe you were right on lay off the weeds here.
2: I agree. I'm kind of like, "Dang. This is pretty cool. They get to I've never seen the movie. And he gets him off a death sentence and well, now I have to watch it. He gets him off a death sentence and a life sentence. You know, He might be a really...
0: I mean, it's the late 90s in Chicago. They were going to get rid of that death sentence any minute anyway.
2: That's true, but you know, it's...
3: Plus, it was Edward Norton. It's not like they were going to kill him. He's white.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty... If he was able to successfully defended and then it turns out that the Roy character is not even the actual bad guy I feel like he he did a pretty dang good job as far as lawyering goes so for that I would stick him in Dream Team 2.0 I'd want him on my defense if I was lying about a second personality and I'd actually killed somebody you know
0: yeah that's true that's true
2: I'm not admitting to anything in that just by the way
0: all right dream team 2.0 this is going to be a stacked tier i'm calling it now <laughs>
3: <laughs> i feel like if he were a little less shady maybe he could be goaded
0: like if he knew but nah oh like he knew that the guy was faking the multi-personality disorder but used it that would be that would be goaded for sure
2: would that or would, i would be like hmm, that's that smells of an ethics violation but what do I know? I'm only in...
0: I already explained that there are multiple ethics violations in this movie without him knowing that.
2: <laughs> Nate, you're going to get a text from me in a few minutes, at, or in like in a few days after I watch this movie, and I'll be like, I was wrong about the Dream Team 2.0, my bad.
0: <laughs> well, hey, at least I put you onto a, a 90s uh, classic. People love Primal Fear.
1: Sydney's going to be like, this guy should have been disbarred. <laughs> <laughs> i thought when he said 90s classic he was talking about the oj trial
3: <laughs> isn't it wild that the oj trial managed to like be the best thing on tv
0: like two decades like two different times in two different forms sydney you want to tell us about lewis tully
2: of course i do let me start by saying poor lewis tully we've all been there in some way or another your friend asked you to help them you're a doctor they say I'm a doctor of middle-aged French history, you say in response, but that doesn't matter. Louis Telly was originally an accountant, but by the time Ghostbusters 2 comes around, he's a tax attorney because he went and got his JD at night school, which I can tell you is really tough. But he gets pulled in to represent his friends, the Ghostbusters, in criminal proceedings in New York State Court, which is not easy. And according to the professional rules of responsibility, he definitely should not have agreed to take if he wasn't ready to and understood the proceedings and how they work. But he does. So points off for the ethics violation, Lewis, but he did do his best. And sometimes that's all we can ask of our lawyers. I think he's pretty, I think he's pretty great. I'm a big fan.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the work ethic is clearly there. The fact that he uh after the events of the first movie decides to go to night school to finish out this uh this attorney career for himself, become a tax attorney instead of just an accountant. I think that's big. I, I would at the very least hire this man. I don't know if he'd win any case. I think he doesn't even win the case in the movie, but uh, I'd hire this man.
2: See, I'd hire him to I'd hire him to do my taxes. I wouldn't hire him to represent me in criminal proceedings. So maybe if he wanted to do that for me.
0: When the IRS tracks me down for tax fraud, I will still hire this man. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so are we thinking between objectionable and hireable right now? It it sounds like it. For me personally, I got to go with hireable because just this man's arc between Ghostbusters 1 and 2, he goes from like the ultimate like beta cuck simp to I am now a lawyer because I went to night school like I had this hustle which is like a simp to king transition if I've
0: ever heard it and I would hire this man on principle alone he also gets to become a ghostbuster in ghostbusters 2 he, get, he gets his own suit he helps them defeat the, the slime thing yeah he, he's goaded well not as a lawyer but as an individual as a person you are goaded <laughs> <laughs> i mean he gets possessed in the first movie <laughs> rick moranis how can you hate him you can't someone assaulted this man like earlier this year and i'm like
2: did they like punch him in the face
0: yeah someone punched rick moranis in the face
3: i guess they were really pissed about those mint mobile ads <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't think- there's anyone in this world that like if i see them i'm filled with just like inexplicable rage to the point where i want to punch them and definitely rick moranis would not be on that list
3: are you familiar with uh james corden how about josh gad don't say that name on this
0: podcast he will summon him <laughs> yeah i feel like the only way i would punch rick moranis in the face if he was like honey i shrunk the kids again and then i'd be like all right listen listen you can't keep shrinking the kids." Honey,
3: I shrunk the kids yet again.
0: Honey, I shrunk ourselves. All right. Well, I do have to say these were all fictional TV and movie lawyers, but in doing some research yesterday, Philadelphia may or may not be based on a true story. I, I think there's like some controversy there now. So um, Alden taken away, Andrew Beckett and Joe Miller, the dream legal team from Philadelphia.
3: While I was in the middle of Googling is Philadelphia a true story, uh, Google's autocorrect came up with is Philadelphia a state and I became very sad.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I... Barely looked into the lawsuit on the real story part of it. Allegedly, when they were first, I guess, consulted about the movie, uh, the family was, they never got to a writing stage and the writers were never, allegedly, were never told anything about the original story. However, it's way too close in many different aspects to uh, what the family experienced. So I have no idea but it's it's real weird we apologize if this is not fictional but uh, Andrew Beckett and Joe Miller what are they like Alden Andy Beckett is a senior associate at the largest corporate law firm in Philly he hides his homosexuality and his status as an AIDS patient from the other members of the firm after earning a promotion the early signs of AIDS leads to his dismissal he had like a lesion on his forehead <clears throat> he was dismissed on account of alleged incompetence uh suspecting that the disease and homosexuality are the only reasons for him being fired. Andy sues his former employers, enlisting the help of a reluctant ally, the black homophobic personal injury lawyer, Joe Miller. Miller initially declines to take the case and immediately visits his doctor to find out if he could have contracted AIDS through shaking Beckett's hand. Nice. Very common during uh, the epidemic. Uh, The doctor told him that's not how it works but offered to take a sample of his blood, suspecting he contracted it anyway. But Miller laughs at the suggestion. Beckett acting as its own attorney, began researching a case at a library when the librarian announced he found a book on AIDS, which caused others in the library to stare and move away. Miller witnessed the discrimination and approached Beckett to review what he gathered and ended up taking the case. All right. Okay. I think
0: that uh, the movie uh, Philadelphia is really great for being the first mainstream Hollywood film to address. uh, Really, I mean, homosexuality in general, but also specifically the AIDS, Uh, epidemic was pretty much going on for like four whole years at this point. So the fact that they had a measured response in 1993 is very interesting.
2: We had to watch the scene where um, Andrew Beckett goes in to talk to Joe Miller. Heartbreaking heartbreaking scene all around because you see the difference in how joe miller approaches a client who has like a slip and fall case he's very excited about it knows that he's going to get a payout like all good things for a personal injury lawyer and then andrew beckett comes in and like removes his hat and joe miller like goes from being like hey how can i help you to like moving away from him and very clearly his demeanor has completely shifted and it's a really heartbreaking scene to watch but knowing that they that they kind of take this and really dissect what it meant to like be with these issues in the 90s is really is a really powerful movie i think
0: two really fantastic actors too in these roles i mean tom hanks i think got an academy award for this role denzel washington denzel washington excuse me um was nominated so i mean these guys are are great actors and uh yeah this movie won uh best actor in a leading role for tom
3: hanks and also uh best original song for the song streets of philadelphia by bruce springsteen i just don't know what this movie has to do with cream cheese i really wish they wouldn't have called it philadelphia yeah philadelphia is my least favorite state so i refuse to watch this movie on just principle alone (laughs) (laughs) bad things happen in philadelphia they really do you know what i feel like because like i want to put put him higher than just hireable tier. And when any case, eh, I guess I could say that just for principle alone. They did win this one. Yeah.
2: My heart just wants them to be in the goat tier because I love the two actors. And I know that that's not what this is based on, but come on.
3: You know what? Even outside of the goat tier, like we were just saying for them to tackle this story at this time, and even like for the real figures to do this at this time. I think that that is GOAT tier.
0: I mean, yeah. I think Joe Beckett would win any personal injury case. So I don't mind putting this in win any case. I feel like this movie needed to have a little bit more of before with Andy Beckett as a lawyer for me to be like he would win any case too. But he clearly seems like a really competent lawyer because he feels strong enough to challenge his own f-
4: his, his own firm that he gets removed from. Yeah, I wouldn't mind this being goaded. I think it fits. I mean, they did kind of win one of the first, uh, I guess, discrimination cases against gay people. Yeah, that's a big win for society. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Goaded.
0: Goaded. Certified goaded. We live in a society. <laughs> you want to tell us about a Seinfeld jury?
3: Jackie Childs, Kramer's lawyer, portrayed by American actor Phil Morris in Seinfeld. The character began as Cosmo Kramer's lawyer on Seinfeld. Chiles is a parody of famed attorney Johnny Cochran. Both are bespectacled, mustachioed, well-dressed African-American lawyers with the same initials and penchants for grandiose vocabulary. Morris also uh, emulates Cochran's distinctive enunciation and delivery. Chiles, along with many other minor characters from the show's past, appeared again in the program's finale and was crucial in failing to achieve the acquittal of characters on charges of violating the Good Samaritan law. Johnny's catch- Jackie's catchphrase is, I am outraged. Some have commented that the real world persona of attorney Johnny Cochran was so flamboyant Morris had to do little more than mimic him directly in order to have a successful character who is, in reality, more impersonation than caricature. So I'm of two minds on this one. I feel like, by definition, this man is Dream Team (laughs) 2.0. But then again, I feel like the actual Johnny Cochran could have gotten them acquitted.
0: Yeah, to me, I like to think that he is uh, like the Seinfeld universe's equivalent of like a doppelganger like he's just pretending to be johnny cochran uh so johnny cochran does
3: exist in this world
0: yeah yeah he exists in the seidenfell universe but this guy's just trying to be the east coast equivalent (laughs) i'm with it he loses pretty much every case in this show yeah every time he shows up as Cosmo's lawyer and there's a trial he loses and then at the end he gets all four of the major characters locked in jail for violating the good Samaritan law because they're all bad people I feel
3: like the fact that this man is just a real life doppelganger if you're hiring this guy I feel like this should be our first layoff the weed tier like alright I'm in legal trouble who
0: do I want to hire a Johnny Cochran impersonator <laughs> I feel like that was probably a lot of people's mindset after the televised OJ trial, though. Probably. I'm not
3: hiring an Elvis impersonator for my kid's birthday party, and I wouldn't do it for my lo- legal
0: advice either. Josh, which of your lawyers do you want to talk about first?
1: Let's, let's, go, with, uh, let's go with my cousin Vinny. Tell us about Vinny. Vinny Gabi, Gambini? Sorry, I'm not Italian. <laughs> Wait, what? You can't read? <laughs> Gambini? <laughs> Vinny has never won a case. But the karate kid is accused of murder, and now the wet bandit himself has to help him has to help him get win this case as an innocent man. I haven't seen this movie, but You're missing out, man. I know, I've heard great things. Maybe you would know how to pronounce Gambini if you saw it. The fact that he's never won a case um is sus. <laughs> but this movie is about family, and that's what's so powerful about it. Just like uh, the Fast and the Furious series. Yes. Both have the names Vin in their names. Cindy, what are your thoughts on Vinny?
2: I love Vinny Gambini and probably unlike most women who say that they're inspired by Elle Woods, I think from a young age, I was inspired by Vin- Vinny Gambini to go to law school.
1: That's based. That was based.
2: So I was like, you know, I want to be, you know, I want to be that person that if my sister is ever on, on a trial for a murder, she didn't commit, she's going to call me, you know, and I'm going to show up in all leather, a small Southern state just kick but
0: i i really like the kind of connection of, of this character i mean ralph Macchio calls the dude because he's like yeah yeah no i got a cousin who's a lawyer he's a great guy he's gonna bail us out and he's like actually not a good lawyer but when when family's on the line he he does all that he can he really brings the best he can to the table he saves these kids lives essentially so I think it's like a one of those like reluctant hero stories, but I 100% think that this man is at the least hireable. Yeah.
2: I do think my favorite part of this movie is when he's so excited that the prosecutor is giving him the evidence and Marissa Tomei is like, "Are you stupid? He has to. That's part of the rules." And honestly, that's something I would do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love Marissa Tomei in this movie. It is like literally one of the best roles ever. Uh she's great. Like now he's more hireable than Louis Tully. I would almost put this man in win any case, but I think he'd only win the case if it was family. If he were related to her. Like I was
3: ju- I was just about to say I was like we could put this man in goaded if you forged like an ancestry.com thing that was like look my my like great great grandma is from the same part of like Naples as you were and he'd be like oh word.
0: Yeah, my name's Nathaniel Ripkin gambini defend me i think he really would but yeah hireable is cool up next i've got atticus finch from to kill a mockingbird Uh, i don't know if any of you guys have heard of this character it's from an old black and white movie and book that i'm sure
1: none of you have read i read i read the book wait josh you read (laughs) an actual book that i've read oh that's crazy did you read the sequel or watch the movie there's a sequel
0: wait we're not talking about the sequel (laughs) A humble lawyer of Macomb County, Alabama, and loving single father of two children, uh, despite public ridicule and outcry, Atticus defends an African-American man, Tom Robinson, who is charged with the rape of a white woman. Despite the rampant racism of the area, Atticus seeks truth and justice, as all lawyers should. And through some incredible cross-examining, Atticus proves himself an excellent lawyer and an excellent human. Gregory Peck won an Academy Award for his performance. Book magazine dubbed Atticus Finch as the best character in 20th century literature and the american film institute named atticus the greatest hero of all american cinema damn that's
3: what a take. Atticus Finch is like a Chad.
0: I think when people think of movie lawyers, this is probably the first person that comes to mind. And I think that there's a lot of uh, reasons for that. But the lasting impact of To Kill a Mockingbird on society, uh, just the past few years, uh, the stage revival of it, uh, rewritten by Aaron Sorkin for, for Broadway, has been doing some in- incredible uh, work. Getting like uh, character actors like Ed Harris
1: and Jeff Daniels in this same role—I really wanted to see it. Me too.
2: <laughs> I saw it. It was fabulous.
1: Yeah, it looked great. We went to David
3: Buster's instead. <laughs> <laughs> Got a jackpot on the stacker machine, and Josh had two Trulys in a blue moon and couldn't walk in a straight
1: line. <laughs> Imagine if I saw The Kill a Mockingbird on Two tru- two Trulies and a Blue Moon. Josh would be, like, enrolling in a law school.
3: <laughs> Just on a whim. He's like, I want to be a lawyer now. <laughs> I, I don't think this man could be anything but goaded, personally. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The real question is, do we put him above or below uh, the Philadelphia lawyers? I think above. I
0: would argue the Philadelphia lawyers wouldn't be able to stand side by side if it weren't for this man. That's fair.
2: <laughs> That's very true. That's a good point. I say he goes above.
0: I think it's Elle Woods time.
2: Oh, is it Elle Woods time already?
0: time for the Elle Woods, right?
2: <laughs> Almost every young woman who has been accepted to law school has said the famed lines or captioned an Instagram post. What? Like it's hard? And Elle is clearly very smart. But does she really belong as a top TV slash movie lawyer? Early In the first movie, she's not even a lawyer. She's a law student. The most annoying members of the legal world, and believe me, I'm one of them. But she did inspire a whole generation of girls to believe that they too could love pink fashion, small dogs, and fuzzy pens, and still go to Harvard Law. Legally Blonde, too. Elle embarks on a mission to ban animal testing, and honestly, I'm all here for a movie showing a successful lawyer doing something other than scary New York City big law firm with big glass windows and corner offices. Woods, although she was a law student in one of the most iconic legal movies of all time and not technically a lawyer, put her up there close to win any case.
3: Damn, I expected a hit piece on Elle Woods after how you guys kept talking about <laughs> Sydney's mistake
2: <laughs> The thing is, I don't think I can... I can't in good conscience take down Elle Woods because she did inspire a lot of women to believe they could go to law school, which was not something that any other movie or show had ever been able to do. Oh, so, you know, you got to give her credit where credit is due.
3: Yeah, even if we're looking at like the other female lawyers or, quote, or law students on this list, like what else do we have so far? We have the good wife, who is a character who's defined by her husband fucking up.
2: We have Liv Lerner, who... Yeah, we talked about Liz Lerner, um, but I also love Elle Woods because she went to law school for a reason that so many of us go to law school out of pure spite, and I can respect that.
0: And in the same kind of way that I briefly mentioned with Atticus Finch, the crossing of media formats with this character, the the Broadway musical is wildly successful as well as the movies, and I think it just goes to show and continues to reach that female audience in a way that other TV and movie lawyers can't resonate with. But in terms of legal action, I do really like that she takes a different stance and goes to defend uh, like animal rights and testing and, and all of that in in Washington. That's a way more interesting case to go to and says more about her and her ethics than um, trying to get in a in a in like a job where she's just gonna make a lot of money and maybe have an easier time. So I think at the very least hireable but I, she might win every any case if she puts her mind to it and she goes at it with uh, the same level of spite as she did law school.
3: Yeah, I personally believe that El Woods could be in a win-any-case tier. I mean, she also did invent the bend and snap. Can We we haven't mentioned that. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> Even if she was on the ropes, she would just have to be like, Your Honor, I dropped my
0: pen. <laughs> Elle Woods is an inspiration. Absolutely. Time to move to another goaded female lawyer. Tell us about Ally McBeal Alden, um... Harrison Ford's wife. Tell us about her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why is it every time we go to Alden, he sounds like he doesn't know like what like what we're doing? And,
4: like... I'm never prepared. I have to switch back to the right tab. It's a whole ordeal. <laughs> you took everything from me. I don't even know where I am. <laughs>
1: I don't even know what she had on. (laughs) I think Alden really related to Memento uh, a couple of
4: weeks ago.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I don't feel drunk.
4: (laughs) Allie is a Boston-based lawyer. She, She is shown as a woman who believes in love and is continually looking for her soulmate. She often hears songs in her head and experiences hallucinations. Allie attended Harvard Law School with Billy Thomas, with whom she had a relationship since they were eight years old. Billy, however, left Harvard to attend University of Michigan Law School. Honestly, I think that's a downgrade, but I'm not that familiar with either. Uh, The next thing the audience knows about Allie is that she lives with district attorney Renee Raddick, and she is employed in a Boston law firm. Allie quit the law firm because her boss harassed her and was then recruited by old classmate Richard Fish to join his law firm. Well, at this law firm, she finds out Billy is now married to a uh, other lawyer, Georgia, and she's working there. She falls in love with Billy again. Allie and Georgia become friends, and she learns to work side by side with Billy. So throughout the series, Allie dates many men. One of them is even played by Robert Downey Jr., so I guess that's interesting. Uh, And reading about this show, I'm not sure how much of it is actually about practicing law. Uh, Very little of it.
3: Yeah, this was the basis for the, if you're familiar with the Futurama, the parody show, a
0: female single lawyer. (laughs) Sydney, what's what's your take here? I feel like you have the best jurisdiction on a character like this.
2: I feel like, you know what, most of practicing law, I feel like, isn't really about practicing law, especially if you're in a law firm environment. It's all about the people, you know? And I think that Allie McBeal being a woman who is out doing it, all senses of the word she belongs in the hireable category
0: yeah i I actually was gonna say the same thing and i think the fact that she kind of juggles her paranoid schizophrenia in a very very good way uh using it to kind of leverage these personal relationships and also she does her job extremely well whenever she is brought to do kind of like research or investigation for someone else's case she knocks it out of the park and she does well in trial as well i've only seen a handful of episodes of this show but i will say its style is is really wild there's like a lot of like animation and like um just like big over-the-top moments uh it's it's really ahead of its time in a couple of ways definitely more about the personal like life dramas i'd hire her to be my lawyer for sure
2: i feel like she's someone that i could get coffee with and sure she'd bill me for that coffee but it'd still be a very enjoyable coffee
0: yeah she'll find a real nice coffee shop to then venmo me venmo request me (laughs) seven (laughs) dollars jory tell us about mickey Holler, the lincoln lawyer
3: moderately successful criminal defense attorney mickey Holler operates a around Los Angeles County out of a Lincoln town car driven by a former client working off his legal fees. Hence the title. Holler has spent most of his career defending garden-variety criminals until he lands the case of his career. Louis Roulette, a Beverly Hills playboy and son of a real estate mogul, Mary Windsor, who is accused of the brutal breeding of a prostitute, but the seemingly straightforward case suddenly develops into a deadly game of survival for Holler. This man, despite not really having... Uh, What I would say would be like experience that you would think would benefit him in a case as like ultimately shady as this one does so much. Like, obliged to do his best for his client, guilty or not, Holler ruthlessly cross-examines the beaten prostitute and discredits her in the jury's eyes. After a prison informant lies to the prosecution on the witness stand, the defense moves to dismiss dismiss all charges in the current case. Roulet is set free, delighting his mother, but the police then arrest him immediately for the previous murder case. Based upon testimony, Holler coaxed out of the witness. Uh, Holler then acquires a gun from his driver as a precaution against any retribution he may face. Roulet is released again due to lack of evidence and sets out immediately to kill Holler's wife and child. But Holler finds out in time to get them out of the house. He's waiting as Roulet arrives and draws his gun. Rulé mockingly tells Holler he won't be able to guard his family this way every day. But a group of vikers that Holler has previously represented brutally assaults Rulé. So, like, this man's got street cred to protect him from, like, all the shady elites who want to be like, yeah, I can beat prostitutes and kill people and get away with it. And then later, the guy, Rulé's mom, uh, shoots Holler and admits to committing the murder. And then Holler just kills her.
0: (laughs) He just shoots her back. Yeah, this man is not only a lawyer; he's also the judge, jury,
1: and executioner. Wait, where's Judge Dread on this?
3: <laughs> he's right here. <laughs> this man, like, he seems hireable at a glance, but like, bro, if if I can expect this on every case, this man is goaded. <laughs>
0: I think his dedication to the craft speaks volumes. The fact that he's got the heavens, angels, or whatever on his side, he's got like he's got the entirety of the Sons of Anarchy on his side defending L.A. Um, yeah, you don't want to cross this man. And uh, he gets this like big case, and I think like John Leguizamo like teases it up for him, and uh, he he knocks it out of the park. He pretty much is the best defense lawyer ever. Gets this guy off the trial, but then also discovers that he is accused of way more things, he seeks justice. He turns he turns his back immediately on this client that he just won a big case for and I think that's just because he really wants the right thing to be done.
2: I just imagine being the judge whenever this Michael H- Mickey Holler character comes in and I would just be like Jesus Christ not this guy again are you kidding me?
3: He's like the ultimate badass but to like an annoying degree like he walks into the courtroom like smoking a cigarette and like open
0: carrying and it's like sir. A decade after this movie there are still Lincoln commercials with Matthew McConaughey just says a lot about the impact of this character. And correct me if i'm wrong it was the beginning of like the the reconnaissance pretty much 2011 so it was right after he was done doing rom-coms
2: i didn't know what the lincoln lawyer was about until this very podcast i i mistakenly believed it was based in the civil war era united states trial of um, lincoln's assassin assassin so um thank you for correcting that misunderstanding
0: (laughs) i will say there are multiple lawyers that matthew mcconaughey has played for tv and film uh one of them going all the way back to steven spielberg's amistad uh which is a period legal drama so um but i wanted to limit it one per actor because tom cruise has played a lawyer like six times as well i
1: just feel like it's only fair
0: i'm thinking that this man is win any case maybe dream team 2.0 what do we say?
1: I think win any case.
0: Yeah.
2: Win any case, but below
0: Elle Woods.
3: That's fine by me. If Elle Woods started, like, killing people
0: who were who were guilty, maybe I would say
3: that she should be a goat as well.
0: I gotta say, Elle Woods killing people would be a way better American Psycho 2 than the Mila Kunis American Psycho 2. Legally Blonde 3 is about to blow everybody away. <laughs> Legally Blonde three, illegally blonde. Oh my god!
3: <laughs> we find out Elle Woods actually has a twin sister that her parents sent off to a mental hospital stop her from murdering everybody in town.
1: All right, Josh, who's next? Uh, let's go with uh, Rainmaker. My summary for this is not that long, but I need to watch this movie. Two Kino actors and Matt Damon and Danny DeVito fight corrupt, cor- fight cor- corruption, and Mickey Rourke is in this. Nate, is this good?
0: Oh yeah, this is great. I believe it's based off a John Grisham novel, and it's it's kind of a comedy in the first and second act, but once it gets to the actual legal proceeding, these characters knock it out of the park as lawyers. The
1: poster is fucking hilarious. Is Matt Damon's uh, name a uh, man in this one, Josh? It probably isn't, because this is... Uh... <laughs> this is a good Matt Damon performance.
0: Rudy Baylor and Deck we where like Rudy Baylor is like a by the numbers, like kind of fresh out of law school lawyer. He's got like a good head on his shoulders, is doing things by the books. And then like Deck played by Danny DeVito is like he's been practicing law for like twenty-five years, will just do anything to get the case done. But having the dynamic between those, I think I think it makes them a very, very good legal team. I would almost say Dream Team 2.0 material, because you've got like a perfect balance between
1: you know morally gray and also like
0: by the books
1: this looks like a movie i'd watch with my dad yes that's exactly the tier that this movie is it's a watch with your dad on a rainy wednesday afternoon movie i don't know why matt damon has so many watch with my dad movies <laughs> matt damon had dad energy even in the 90s um i agree though they, like name a more iconic duo Six foot, 5'11. Five time Academy Award
0: winner Francis Ford Coppola brings you John Grisham's The Rainmaker.
1: At first, when I first read the list, I thought it said Rain Man, and I was like, wait, Tom Cruise was not a lawyer in that. <laughs>
3: Honestly, I haven't seen Rain Man in a while. If you told me that Tom Cruise was an attorney, I would believe you. (laughs) But yeah, if we're feeling dream team, are we trying to
0: sandwich these guys? Yeah, they're definitely a better dream team candidate than Richard Gere. Arnie Becker from LA Law, the main partner at the LA-based law firm McKenzie, Brackham, Cheney, and Cusack. The legal team tackled many controversial and high-profile cases over its eight seasons that aired on NBC from the late 80s through the mid-1990s from capital punishment to abortion, from HIV AIDS to LGBT rights, and even the controversial portrayal of the 1992 L.A. riots caused by four police officers uh, videotaped beating a black man, getting acquitted. This show was full of rich cases inspired by problems of their time that are still hot button issues 30 years later. Arnie's uh, divorce lawyer turned lady killer vibe comes off as sleazy at best, and he's got an on and off thing with his married secretary. While it's not easy being a lawyer and his character is complex, despite these Tendencies he's portrayed as a good example of a boss and a partner at this firm. think we're kind of running into the same situation with Live Learner where his personal life is super messy, but his professional life is extremely admirable.
2: I feel like that's the case for a lot of these big hitter lawyers who who are handling really complex, complicated cases like they've got to be on their game always in the professional sphere, so their personal life just is kind of a lot of sand.
3: Would you say Nate that uh this guy handles it better? <laughs> Than the lady from the wedding movie, whose name I already forgot.
0: I don't think he lets his personal life get in the way as much with his professional life but it also depends on the season because there's times where he's going through like whole breakup arcs and it's just like a hot mess he's able to pull it together but i would say it's comparable i don't know how everybody else feels but i'm
3: feeling like high tier objectionable or low tier hireable
2: i agree
0: right there works agree why did they never have a crossover <laughs> <laughs> probably 30 years apart in terms of uh, uh release dates of their uh respective properties that's fine i'm sure he's still a lawyer at the- the time that live learners out here. All right, Sid, tell us about Bob Blah Blah.
2: My guy, Bob La Blah, takes over the bluth family legal issues after Barry Zuckercorn continues to flounder. This man advertises his services with the slogan, you don't need double talk, you need bob blah blah. He even runs his own bob la blog. And of course, this man is a legal legend with a whole article dedicated to him titled Bob la Blah 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 Bomb. This man cannot be stopped. His stenographer comes with him everywhere. Is that overkill? No. That's a damn good lawyer. I think he's on the Dream Team (laughs) (laughs) 2.0. I agree. Put him right up there.
3: (laughs) I think all of the lawyers that show up in Arrested Development, except maybe uh, Fonzie.
2: Barry Zuckerkorn?
3: Are like Dream Team 2.0. Yeah, Barry (laughs) Zuckerkorn. Because, like, even, um oh, what's his name, the guy that was in, like, Best in Show and, like, a bunch of those other comedy things, he was, like, the straight lace lawyer that goes on a date with Lucille at one point. um He's also Dream Team 2.0 material. Lucille 1 or Lucille 2?
0: Lucille 1. Okay. Although, who knows,
3: Lucille 2 does get around. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Doesn't Julia Louis-Dreyfus uh, play a uh, lawyer as well, and she's pretending to be deaf? She's pretending to be blind.
2: And then at one point, she pretends to be pregnant. But
3: she doesn't pretend to be pregnant. She's just not pregnant with Michael's baby.
2: I thought she had a fake pregnancy belly.
3: No, they thought she was wearing a fake pregnancy belly. But then when uh, Michael calls her on it, she lifts it up and it's real. <laughs> I, <don't... laughs> I watch Arrested Development religiously. It's my go to bed show.
0: Yeah, the first three seasons are great. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I stop when season four comes on, I change it back.
0: Yeah, no, I think uh, I think Bob Law is an incredibly well-marketed lawyer, and uh, he knows what he's doing. He's got a good head on his shoulders, and I think I'd want him on my dream team.
3: He's also a complete Chad for rejecting Lindsay. Yes. Yes, he is. Where are we putting him on the
0: dream team?
2: Put him right up at the very top.
0: Good. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> Jory, it's your turn. You want to talk about Annalise Keating or Saul Goodman? Let's talk about
3: uh, Annalise uh, Keating for now. Uh, I'm torn whether or not I want Annalise to introduce herself or whether I should give you guys a primer on her. Her on herself. Who am I is a 53-year-old woman from Memphis, Tennessee named Anna Mae Harkness. I'm ambitious, black, bisexual, angry, sad, strong, sensitive, scared, fierce, talented, exhausted, and I am at your mercy. Whoa. of a way to introduce yourself anyways annalise is a self-sufficient and confident woman she seemed to have a perfect life and was respected for being a great lawyer and a great criminal law professor whom her students both fear and admire annalise is a woman with two faces one of them a strong woman that she shows the world while the other a sentimental and destroyed human being was shown to nate and Wes, Nate, can you tell us a little more about the face that she showed you?
0: Uh, it was scary. I mean, uh, there's no other face I would want to uh, either defend me or one I'd want to run run away from if she was on the opposite end of the courtroom.
3: And she really gets shit done too. Yeah. After the death of her husband, Sam Keating, at the hands of Wes Gibbons and the rest of the Keating Five, Annalise chooses pr- to protect Wes, who she has a history with, and do everything in her power to move forward. But as they say, no good deed goes unpunished. That wouldn't be the last time Annalise would cover up a murder. And as the bodies kept piling up, the FBI and D- DA's office suspects her more and more. Through critical decisions, betrayal, more death, and secrets coming out, Annalise continues to, pr- to project the powerful woman she is onto the corrupt cycle that is Philadelphia's law enforcement. So, to me me at first blush this seems like also top tier contender for dream team 2.0 she's doing everything that that team did multiple times over like once a week she's doing what what
0: the dream team did
3: (laughs) i was gonna ask because it mentions that she is uh that she teaches criminal law she's a criminal law professor what would how would you feel if you walked into a lecture, and Annalise Harkness was there.
2: I'd have to pack a second pair of pants, I think, because every time she'd call on me, I would definitely pee myself just a little bit, but just enough, you know? And I think that that's exactly what criminal professors, criminal professors law professors should be doing, because my criminal law professor was amazing, but she also scared the living hell out of me, too. So I think that, that she strikes the right balance, you know? I put her in the goat tier.
0: Yeah, I was actually going to say that as well. At the very least, when any case only makes sense. I, I've only seen about maybe 12 to 15 episodes of this show, but I've never seen her character lose a case or her legal team drop the ball in any capacity. She goes above and beyond, I think, everyone we currently have in the Dream Team in terms of covering up Scandal, but also, uh, in a way, kind of seeking truth and justice on a more morally gray level.
2: Um, Not everyone, not because ev- Bob blah, blah blah handles a lot of stuff for the Bluth family, who is arguably worse than everyone in that show. I don't
3: know if the Bluth family has ever killed anyone, barring season five, but we won't talk about that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: now, where I kind of uh, am coming to terms with Annalise here in the Go, Note here is i feel like her cases don't determine so much for society as they do for the individual person by person which is still huge and very important but i think atticus and the philadelphia legal team both uh their, their cases spoke louder than just the one the one instance in the law
1: isn't that right
2: on a very on a semi-serious note one of the most uh, profound things one of my mentors has ever told me in terms of like the law school and law career is that there can be high profile cases and you can be the top attorney on it and all that and that's all well and good but at the end of the day when you represent whether it's an individual or a company like being in a lawsuit is probably one of the scariest and most uh difficult and important parts of someone's life and so as a lawyer like every case is a big case regardless of whether it has large societal implications or just per very personal ones so for that i applaud you annalise keating
0: certified goat raising a whole generation of new lawyers
1: to be just as badass as she is i love it
0: moving on to you josh what's next
1: let's go with daniel uh fuck i'm gonna mispronounce that name again coffee yeah yeah just say coffee That works. Caffey? <laughs> Caffey? Coffee? Played
0: by... The, the, the letter A, Josh. Uh... Whatever, he's not Italian, he can't read.
1: <laughs> Played by Tom Cruise in one of the most quotable movies no one my age has actually seen. I'm not giving Gen Z justice because I still have yet to watch this movie, too. I guess I can't handle the truth.
3: Wait, you, Wait, you, you haven't <laughs> seen a few good men? No, I haven't.
1: Damn, Josh, that's like peak watch-with-your-dad law drama. <laughs> <laughs> But, I think. Uh, oh, sorry. Do you have more of a summary? No, I was just gonna say uh, <laughs> Kevin Bacon's in this, and we can't ignore that. Thank you for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that the Tom Cruise character here, Daniel Cafe, has a very similar arc to Richard Gere's character in Primal Fear, and where they're a hotshot, kind of like lazy lawyer that wants these high-profile cases. Except um, Tom Cruise is used to dealing these like. Um, low level uh, cases that are involved with the military in some way. But when this like bigger, higher profile um, case comes his way, he really like puts on his big boy pants and like does his job right. The dialogue and the way he handles confrontation with people that are higher ranking officers than himself is very admirable. I don't know exactly how competent he is as a lawyer. He really pulls it together for this case. So, at the very least, he's hireable. He even gets, uh, uh, Jack Nicholson to shit himself on the stand. You're gonna crap your pants. <laughs> Actual quote. You're gonna spill your beans at the half-court line at a Lakers game.
1: <laughs> and then he did. I think he, I think he got banned from, like, front row after that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you ever seen that image, Sydney? Which
2: one?
1: Of
0: Jack Nicholson
1: spilling his chili at the Lakers
0: game.
2: No. <laughs>
1: I like how they just let him bring in chili too. Who who was he with at the game?
3: <laughs> if you see Jack Nicholson like walking into the Lakers game, are you gonna be the one to be like, "Sir, I'm sorry, you can't have that chili"? <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise, you're
0: going at the top of hireable. Yeah. Actually, no, Vinny's- No, below Vinny. Yeah, below Vinny. We got Dan Fielding of Night Court, the sex-obsessed narcissistic prosecutor who would do anything to get a woman to sleep with him. He consistently uh, visits dominatrices, and while being the source of comedic quips and sometimes cruel remarks regarding pretty much every other character, Dan serves as the heart of this legal team. His long streak of compassion for the team leads to many of the biggest breakthroughs in some of the most critical settings and cases yeah night court's a wild show for being quite honest yeah this guy's kind of like the biggest scumbag in the law firm but at the end of the day is always the one to pull it together i want to say he's lay off the weed okay
2: i agree with that he's
0: kind of like nick fury if nick fury actually didn't work for shield it was just a guy who showed up every now and then to yell at people and then was busy just like uh going to like strip bars all the time 7-11 managers he's a 7-eleven manager with a tie he's gonna beat this bar
1: <laughs> but did we find mr plinkett's uh tapes of night court <laughs> no <laughs> they're somewhere in milwaukee
0: rolling right along back to you alden yeah tell us about gomez adams
4: <clears throat> gomez adams he always dresses in a chalk striped dark colored suit and tie sport slicked back hair and a pencil thin mustache
1: that's how I'm rolling up to Nick's wedding.
4: <laughs> he is extremely naive and childish with a short attention span and endless optimism. He owns a ton of businesses globally, including a crocodile farm, a buzzard farm, a salt mine, a tombstone factory, a uranium mine, and many others. It is not unheard of for him to simply forget that he owns a controlling interest in a business. He enjoys cigars and has been smoking them ever since he was five years old, as his mother insisted. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Gomez is desperately in love with his wife Morticia and is driven wild by the slightest of her actions. Now for the reason he's on the list. Gomez studied law and was voted most likely to never pass the bar. (laughs) It is noted that while Gomez has never won a case, he has never lost one either. (laughs) Perfectly balanced. Gomez has a lawyer for the family, Tully Alford, in the 1991 film. Although he rarely practices, he boasts of having put many criminals behind bars while acting as their defense attorney. <laughs> Gomez also studied medicine.
1: Now I just keep thinking if that Adams Family was live action, Oscar Isaac played him, how keno that would have been. It really would have. <laughs> Gomez as a lawyer though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think as a as a businessman, I think as an investor, I think I want this man on the next Shark Tank panel. But as a lawyer, I wouldn't hire this man. I would say he's objectionable at the very least. I
1: think he's objectionable at best.
4: But he's never lost a case.
1: I didn't. I honestly didn't realize Gomez's uh, career was a lawyer until it was brought up, like, when we were making this episode.
2: I was just going to say it's funny because my nickname in law school is least likely to pass the bar, too, so.
1: Well, in that
0: case, he'll win any case. <laughs> yeah, maybe he should be goaded in that case.
3: do we think that gomez has ever done anything worth being disbarred over because i have a feeling he has but i couldn't tell you
0: um marrying into a family of monsters is probably par for the course of disbarment but but he doesn't practice yeah he's not active actively practicing as a lawyer very often
1: where does the adams family get their money why did why do they always want uh what's his name's money all of his investments it's his
0: investments this dude was the wall street bets before wall street bets josh this dude was a day player before he owned an alligator farm.
3: Investments in everything. He's got property. He's got uh,
0: stock holdings. He's got everything.
4: The family just
0: has a ton of money in general
4: from so many different sources.
0: Yeah, Uncle Fester won big in a Vegas casino once. Yeah. Is this a uh, is this a layoff the weed tier? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think
4: so. Unfortunately, definitely.
0: You, Jory, tell us about Saul Goodman.
3: All right, let's talk about Jimmy McGill. Jimmy is of Irish descent and was born in Cicero, Illinois, outside Chicago. His older brother, Chuck, became a successful lawyer as one of the partners at an Albuquerque law firm, Hamlin, Hamlin & McGill. As a child, Jimmy worked for his father, Charles Sr.'s general store and watched customers as customers took advantage of his naive father. He soon began stealing from the store himself. According to Chuck, Jimmy embezzled $14,000 from his family's store, leading to his father's bankruptcy. His father died six months later. Jimmy cried inconsolably at the funeral. Determined not to be like his father, Jimmy becomes a con artist and earns the name Slip and Jimmy for staging slip-and-fall accidents. He also ran petty scams, including the fake Rolex with the help of his partner-in-crime, Marco Pasternak. Jimmy ran into trouble with the law when he drunkenly defecated through the sunroof of an adversary's car while the man's children were inside, facing the possibility of having to register as a sex offender. Jimmy asked Chuck for help despite a five-year separation with his family. Chuck successfully defended him, but required that he move to Albuquerque and work a legitimate job in hhm's mailroom at some point prior to the start of the television series of his uh that he stars in. Jimmy had been married and divorced twice. While working in the HHM mailroom, he befriended Kim Wexler, an HHM employee attending law school. Inspired by her success, he completed his college degree and attended the University of American Samoa's co- Correspondence Law School. He passed the bar exam and he hoped to be hired at HHM, but at Chuck's insistence, senior partner Howard Hamlin denied him the opportunity. He then became a solo practice, working out of the utility room of a Vietnamese nail salon. He takes whatever cases he can get, primarily low paid public defender work. Some years later, near the time of his divorce with rebecca chuck develops a psychosomatic aversion to electricity becoming semi- semi-reclusive semi faithfully jimmy cares for chuck bringing him groceries and running errands jimmy still struggles with finances and at the start of the show drives his si- signature suzuki esteem with mismatched doors a visual pun reflecting on jimmy's current poor self-esteem at this stage in his life jimmy butts heads with mike ermantrout a former philly police officer working as a courthouse parking lot attendant and he begins to use the alias saul goodman a play on the phrase it's all good man he initially Uses it as the alternative identity for a high energy pitch man in television ads he produces and later makes use of it as a business reselling prepaid cell phones on the street. And then, of course, the events of Breaking Bad, da 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 da. To me, this is a man with extreme hustle. He is a man of commitment, focus, and sheer fucking will. I feel like my man, Saul Goodman, maybe he won't win any case, but I want him on a dream team.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's definitely hireable do pretty much whatever to, to win. I think he knows the law very, very well for someone who took a correspondence course and he knows how to bend it to like win essentially uh he's he's a really cool anti-hero to root for but his his ethics probably aren't the strongest especially once we get to him in breaking bad i mean if we're being completely honest with each other he has been disbarred he yeah i think twice yeah (laughs) but thank you for recapping five seasons of kino television in like two paragraphs for us you did a great job You're welcome. All right, Josh. You want to tell us about Fletcher Reed or do you want to tell us about Frank
1: Slade? We'll say Frank Slade for last. All right. Fletcher Reed. Before Jim Carrey got snubbed at the Oscars for Mr. Popper's Penguins, he played Fletcher Reed in Liar Liar, a lawyer who one one day could not tell lies after his son wished for it. Not going to lie. I hate this guy. This is one of the most unlikable characters in film, and I think a Liar Liar remake with Josh Gad would be better. I'm sorry, Josh Gad. I was actually lying about your comedic performance. Nick wished for me not to tell lies anymore. As the picture in Memento says, don't trust his lies.
0: Yeah, the fact that he's a lawyer who has to get by, by like, lying through his teeth in every scenario just goes to show that this man probably shouldn't be a lawyer and i get like part of the job is is stretching the truth or finding a truth more importantly in evidence but uh this guy just blatantly lies to every single person including his son who just wants to celebrate his birthday with his father this this man's pretty despicable i think he should be disbarred
1: maybe it's because of the growing like uh, for jim carrey i've had over the years it made liar liar become even more unlikable for me
0: it was the first time i watched a movie where like there's like a workaholic dad character that i was like Wait, why is he being a workaholic? He hates his job. Like he's a horrible person. <laughs> like most of the time in like the case of Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy, we were talking about it. He's really good at his job as a real estate sale as a like a real estate agent. Like there, there's a reason why this guy's a bad lawyer and a bad person. And it's still like, no, I don't want to take care of my family.
1: Yeah, I think he belongs at the very bottom. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Agreed.
0: <laughs> All right. Ben Matlock of Matlock, portrayed by the legendary Andy Griffith, is a renowned, folksy, yet cantankerous defense attorney who is worth every penny of his $100,000 retainer. Known for visiting the scene of the crime to do his own investigation and come up with his own clues. He often comes up with viable alternative theories while polishing his shoes and playing his banjo to convince the jury that prosecutors can't prove his clients guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Matlock has a repetitive fashion sense and an insatiable appetite for hot dogs.
2: Honestly, the appetite for hot dogs is like my favorite part.
0: Mm-hmm. I think if there's a single character on this list that I would like to go out for drinks with, it would be this man. I don't know if I'd necessarily think he'd win any case, but I do think he's extremely hireable. That being said, his $100,000 retainer in the early 1980s would be like a a $2 million retainer today. So he's on the same tier as Tyler
1: Perry's lawyer in, uh, in Gone Girl. I was thinking about that character too. I'm like, why isn't he on this list? And I'm like, wait, he didn't do shit.
2: The use of folksy yet cantankerous that's exactly who i hope to be one day
0: yeah folksy and cantankerous sounds like a very presidential individual (laughs) yeah i think this this man matlock could probably go to the bottom of hireable i don't know if he's as as charismatic and dynamic as lewis tully in the courtroom but he definitely has the capability to find the evidence and find the truth and all right Moving right back to, I think it's Alden, right? You're going to tell us about Suits.
4: Yeah, I am, I guess. <laughs> Are you okay? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Harvey Reginald Specter is a former corporate attorney, uh, one of the named partners at Specter Lit Wheeler Williams and managing partner of Specter Lit also a former assistant district attorney for the New York County District Attorney's Office. He grew up in Riverside, New York. Harvey was 16 when he first caught his mom cheating on his dad, not wanting to hurt his father's feelings. Uh, He didn't tell him about it and stayed quiet for the next two years. And then eventually uh, his mom left them. Someone named Jessica Pearson met Harvey while he was working in a mailroom. Uh, Harvey had realized that an associate backdated a postage when he missed a filing, so he came into Jessica's office and told her that if the firm did not declare misconduct, he would report them to the DA. Impressed by this, Jessica paid for Harvey to go to Harvard, uh, where he graduated fifth in his class. Uh, And then I guess after that, he's just doing a bunch of lawyer things for the next, how many seasons are there? Eight, nine? There's a lot of seasons. A syndicated amount. Nine seasons. Nine seasons.
1: The future of the USA Network is going to be really weird because NBC Sports is shutting down, so all the sports are moving there, so I don't know what's going to happen to all these USA shows.
0: Characters are no longer welcome. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) I miss, like, the good old-fashioned USA shows. Uh, Burn Notice was great. Uh, Psych, Monk,
1: Suits was cool. Monday Night Raw. Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot's probably the best out of all of those shows. Yeah. Wait, was Mr. Robot on USA? I thought that was FX. Mm-mm,
0: that was USA. Let's see. How do I actually feel about this guy as a lawyer? I feel like he wins pretty much every case. He's like, yeah, he's good. Win any case kind of type, his ethics are there. Like he's supposed to be like this clean cut guy. But where a lot of people don't like him is that he's like always right. So then people kind of like, he's almost like like Spock from Star Trek, but a lawyer.
2: I had forgotten about jessica pearson she's probably like one of my favorite tv lawyers harvey's okay too
0: harvey's fine jessica pearson is the better lawyer <laughs>
2: <laughs> she doesn't, she would be above the goat tier she'd be in like some god tier i think because she's just beautiful and smart and everything that i i love in a woman
0: i'd say harvey's hireable maybe win any case underneath matthew mcconaughey i'm fine with that
1: dope josh it's frank slade time oh boy here we go frank slade A blind retired U.S. Lieutenant is an alcoholic who takes a random trip to New York City with someone who just wants to get some money during his Thanksgiving break. And the man is literally too angry to die. He hangs out with still somehow the only on-screen live-action Robin we still have had. They get dinner. He sniffs women's feet and then dances with them, and then they get a car because chicks dig the car. The ending of this movie has one of my favorite monologues in any movie, unironically. It is one of Al Pacino's best performances, and probably Chris O'Donnell's best performance Mm -hmm. before NCIS Los Angeles. Al Pacino won Best Actor at the Academy Awards, and the film has nominees for Best Director, Screenplay, and Picture. Hua
0: i think that he's a, a cut above the rest on this list because he's not actually a lawyer i don't think he has a law degree <laughs> <laughs> ever appeared in a court of law until he decides to just give this pipe bomb at a uh, it's not like a real like uh legal proceeding it's not an actual court case i don't think it's like a it's like a fraternity uh, like college uh like social court it's a very very weird movie and a very weird predicament that this character gets in but yeah he like shuts down this entire institution institution pretty much calls them all pansies and uh drops the mic
1: <laughs> it's it's really based but i don't know where this should go in the tier
3: i think he should be certified coated <laughs> when any case sure
2: hey i would love if he was on the goat tier with atticus finch because that seems to make so much sense
1: i like when he chokes out his like cousin at the thanksgiving dinner <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> Now, here it is, the the lawyer that I wanted to make this list for, Fred Gailey of Miracle on 34th Street, the next door neighbor of Doris Walker, the Macy's floor manager who accidentally hires the real Chris Kringle to be their store Santa. Fred kindly offers his spare bed to Kringle, so his commute to work won't be so draining. However, when Fred assaults the company psychiatrist with his cane, the court has to decide if Kirst Kringle is really Santa Claus. Given this impossible task, Fred Gailey fares incredibly well. Using the US Postal Service as validity for Kringle's identity, the courts rule in favor of Santa Claus and Fred Gailey becomes a very cool stepdad. I think that this is one of the greatest lawyers of all time period in any form of media or real life. Um, this, this man is able to legally prove. Santa Claus is real. I want top of goat tier, and I will not settle for anything less. (laughs) <laughs> it's such a wholesome lawyer. Cindy, what's your take on the legality of, of Fred Gailey?
2: If you're able to get the Postal Service to do anything for you that is not delivering mail, then you along at the top.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Probably my favorite Christmas movie. And I think the the way it all unfolds with like all these letters addressed to the North Pole. Fred Gailey is a genius for making that work without a reasonable doubt that santa claus is indeed real melts my heart every time maybe not as socially impactful as atticus finch or uh andy becker very very high up there i think
3: listen there's nothing magical about saying racism is bad. That's an objective truth. But getting people to believe in magic? Amazing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. We were able to fill all uh, seven tiers pretty well. I think it's
0: amazing how many of these lawyers are are GOAT and also Dream Team material. I expected, like with our president's one, there was a pretty even split. Easy to look at Bell with like mid-tier, but like we have twice as many high tiers as we do mid-tiers well i would like to thank sydney for coming along and joining us on this endeavor you were a great guest and had a lot of fun on this topic
2: thank you so much for having me and for um listening to me talk about all these awesome lawyers and all the things that they've done fictionally
0: i think that that does it does anyone have a lawyer that they are disappointed we left off the list because i feel like there's there's definitely some
1: when you brought up the b movie i was like hmm. <laughs> 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 mosquito
2: attorney."
3: <laughs> lady i was already a blood-sucking parasite all i needed was a briefcase <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's what i'm going to write right underneath my um my jd what am i it in my office
0: <laughs> <laughs> i really like uh john goodman as the prosecutor b movie is a pretty slept
3: on uh legal drama it really is I guess I could say uh Jeff Winger from Community. Speaking of like modern sitcom lawyers, like anybody from Always Sunny would have been hilarious. Yeah.
2: Bird law.
3: That's the thing though, because I feel like Charlie and Mac have better like legal moments than the actual lawyers on the show.
0: Oh, yeah. I guess Harvey Birdman could have been on here.
3: Very true. The definition
0: of bird law. The king of bird law. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for today's episode of Duel of the Takes. Sydney, is there anything we can plug for you? Is there is there any any like uh
2: no but if everyone could send me prayers for the last year of law school that would be so appreciated
0: of course i believe in you the duel the takes community is sending prayers as sydney passes
1: the bar (laughs) send us send us luck when sydney represents us in our future lawsuit uh that josh gad sues us for
0: is josh gad suing us for defamation
3: (laughs) (laughs) it's only defamation if it's not true
1: Oh no! Sydney's gonna prove that Josh Cat is not funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: In a court of law, gonna show Frozen clips.
0: <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna want to show Frozen clips. Maybe we'll show footage of Jobs
3: or Beauty and the Beast. From the defense, we have Nicholas Worman.
0: <laughs> Nicholas Worman is listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of Duel of the Takes. Next week, we'll be ranking the filmography of Josh Gad? Maybe to prove a point to a certain guest. Stay tuned for our wackiest episode to date. Special thanks to Anchor.fm for sponsoring today's episode. And remember, if I don't see you, good afternoon, good
2: evening, and good night.